Episode 162 of Australia's number one marketing show. Listen in as I have a chat with Dave. Now, Dave lost five businesses and his home in bushfires four years ago. His son got critically injured in a boating accident, and Dave's here to talk business resilience and how to rebuild. Welcome to the Small Business Big Marketing Show, where successful small business owners share their secrets to take your marketing to the next level. Now, here's your host, Tim Reid. Thank you, Erin, and welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Australia's number one marketing show. I am your host, always have been, Timbo Reid, but you, you right there at the gym, commuting, walking to work, whatever you may be doing, are a motivated small business owner who is there to crank out some really, really smart marketing to grow that thing we call your business. And we are brought to you by the very good folk at NetRegistry who are also there to grow your business online. So anything you need online from a marketing perspective, they are the people to turn to. Domain name registration, hosting of websites, design, development of websites. They are two different things, by the way. You just ask NetRegistry that. Uh, Pay-per-click advertising, search engine optimization, all that fancy stuff that can bamboozle us small business owners, they can sort out. Netregistry.com.au. Tell them Timbo sent you. They will look after you. Getting so many emails from listeners saying they are using the Net Registry services. So love that. And welcome to everyone from the Flying Solo community. Now, big episode today. An episode of highs and lows, um, mainly highs though. Now, listen, what we got, we got a listener question. In fact, we've got two listener questions, one about microphones and the other one about podcasting. So bit of an audio thing happening there. Bit of an update on a past guest, Eugene from Aquabumps. Some news on what he's up to, and it's fantastic. Feedback from a couple of listeners. One's a psychologist, the other one a winemaker. That's an interesting mix. Um, I've got an update on some wonderful topics that are going on in the Small Business Big Marketing Forum, a reminder of the content marketing webinar that I have coming up in a year, what is it, about three weeks' time, and we have a fireside chat with Dave Sterling of the Tower Motel in Marysville, although he's from more than that. You'll understand what I mean when I have a chat to him, but you would have got a gist from my earlier intro uh, into what an amazing story Dave has. He's going to give us some insight into how he rebuilt his life after losing five businesses in one of Australia's worst ever bushfires. So, boy, oh boy, have we got some ground to cover. And I promise, as always, there is marketing gold dripping from the ceiling. Oh, you got to love that track, don't you? In fact, the idea of dropping that song, which is by the Black Keys, I think, Gold on the Ceiling, came from one of my forum members, Nick, DJ Nick from over in New Zealand, who suggested any time I did mention marketing gold, then we should uh, we should drop that little sting in. So nice idea there, Nico. Thanks, mate. Now, let's get stuck into a couple of listener questions, um, both sort of around the audio area. Here is the first one. It is from Anthony Murphy. He says, hi, Timbo. First of all, love the show. 
your my marketing inspiration, mate. Keep up the good work. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're busy. Oh, yeah. No, you know what? Not as busy as you think, Anthony. You know, we can all say we're really busy, but I don't know. We can always find time for more. <laughs> Famous last words. Uh, one, one of the limiting beliefs of small business owners in order to crank out great marketing is a lack of time, a, a limiting belief around the lack of time. So we should address that in coming episodes, I reckon. Back to Anthony's note. I work for Murfak, M-I-R-F-A-K, a a small family-owned and run business of 50 years, wow, out in northeastern Victoria. Deals in manufacturing products for the Aussie food industry. We deal in food-grade seeds, grains, stone flour, etc., all really basic, healthy Aussie ingredients for bakeries and large manufacturers. It's fascinating to get a sense um, of who listens to this show. Such an incredible range for everything from, you know, psychologists and vets to plumbers and teachers and people trapped in the cubicle, the corporate cubicle, uh, right through to someone like Anthony, who's a manufacturer. Back to his letter. I've taken on trying to build the business brand through marketing and online social presence. Well done, Anthony. You know, you could easily choose not to when you're in a business like yours, but I think it's a smart thing to do. This has largely been thanks to you and Small Business Big Marketing. The company had always been a wholesaler and now I'm working to create a retail brand to offer smaller size packaging for the general public and retail markets. I love a bit of brand extension, Anthony. Well done, mate. Again, you know, after 50 years, you could quite easily go, you know what? We are just doing something right and we'll keep doing what we're doing right as opposed to challenging what could be, challenging the industry, challenging the conventions of the industry and see what else you can do. Back to Anthony. I have had our website updated. We have Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, a blog, started a monthly newsletter and I'm now in the process of developing a new name and logo for the retail brand. Make sure you do your brand character work, Anthony. That is a, uh, that's a video uh, that sits inside the Small Business Big Marketing Forum, actually, and it's amazing how many members go through that and love it. After listening to you and your words of wisdom in saying don't hesitate in creating your own podcast, I have started dipping my toes into that pool. I am just unsure of whether it will get off the ground and gain any listener support. I was too, Anthony, when I started small business, big marketing, mate. I didn't have, you know, we start, everything starts as an idea, as a spark. You know, there is no audience. You've got to kind of, you know, you build something and they will come. But I'm keen to have a red hot crack. My hesitation being the, being the field that the podcast would focus around, which would include gluten-free, home baking, healthy Aussie products, recipes, and I hope interviews with people in related fields. Well, I think that's great. You know, get clear on get really clear on your editorial mission. What have you got to offer? To who? And what outcome can they expect? They're the three questions you've got to answer. And then um, get on with it because, you know, there's some really interesting stuff. And you'll find that some of those topics will get traction. You'll get feedback from listeners and they'll want more. Other topics, it'll be like this deathly silence, which can be quite scary, but you just got to keep pushing through. So Anthony asks, how do I gauge whether there is a potential audience out there? So to wrap up, I guess I'm asking if I should push on with the podcast idea and put all the marketing gold I have learned from you into practice or just concentrate on blogs and newsletters. Keep that marketing gold dripping, says Anthony. Now, Anthony, my uh, my simple answer is do it. 
you know, like get on with it. Don't question it. You could question, you could find every reason it won't work. Um, find every reason it will work. And those reasons will come as you lean into it, right? You've heard me talk about this phrase of leaning into it. Lean into it, commit to it, and watch what happens. So number one, do it. Number two, here's the pressure. Ensure you create quality content, right? I think that that's the magic in content marketing. That's the magic in all marketing. It's to create quality um, so that people are drawn towards it. This pull marketing versus push marketing concept. Um, there's no shortage of marketing podcasts out there. I believe mine is popular because I share marketing gold with you from and the listeners that actually share their their insights and their journeys and their tips and tricks. I'm amazed. So when you do create quality on an ongoing basis, that's when you get the traction and it can take time. Um, Number three, be consistent and set an expectation. So be consistent in terms of if you are going to put out a show, Anthony, do it on a regular basis and set that expectation with your listener audience. It's going to be monthly or weekly or daily or whatever it is. Love doing it would be my sort of point number four in terms of answering your question, Anthony. If you are going to do it, love it, mate. And it'll become a hobby. Creating your podcast will become a hobby. And that's what I want. That's that's what it is for me. I can't wait to hit record each week. And that's what I wish for you as well. Stick at it. Number five, just absolutely stick at it. You know, um, yes, it will be quiet. You will feel as though you are talking down a tunnel and there is no one there for a while, um, weeks, possibly months, but you've got to commit to it. You'll start to receive emails. You'll start to get reviews on iTunes. People will leave comments in the show notes and you will start to get traction. Um, Push it uh, out to your list. Okay, so let's talk about promoting it in order to make sure that you do build an audience. So some, some tips on promoting, I guess. Push it out to your list. Get it out on social media. Tell the various associations within your industry that you have a podcast and if they could share it with their listeners and put it on their website. Put it as a call to action in all your marketing. Put it on your website, your brochures, your ads, on your packaging, whatever it may be. Um, and get interviews on other podcasts that share a similar audience to yours. Anthony, there's some tips, mate. You will be amazed at what happens when you lean into it, and I really encourage you to do it because I'm guessing that if the, the, there wouldn't be many, if any, podcasts about the industry in which you operate. So good on you, mate. Okie dokie. <laughs> I haven't said okie dokie for a while. Quite like that. Is that an Australian saying or a uh, is there kind of a, a global saying? Don't know. Anyway, okie dokie. Jamie Hunter hits me up on the Small Business Big Marketing Facebook and has a question about microphones. He says, hi, Timbo. Just a wee message to uh, 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 start again. Just a wee message to a big thanks for sharing so much gold on the podcast. Insert song. I'm a new startup personal training business here in Brizzy, in here in Brisbane, after moving from Belfast in the UK, where I was well set up and didn't actually do much proactive marketing. In the past few months, I've learned an awful lot from you and your guests, and whilst I've yet to action many things, my to-do list is healthily throbbing with enthusiasm. One question I have is a, is technical in nature, one regarding video recording. I'm in the process of setting up a library of reference exercises for clients. That's a good idea. 
promotion uh, for clients, promote, uh, promoting my business, etc. But I'm using my nice new shiny iPhone 5 with its slightly inadequate mic. Yeah, the camera's great, but the mic's not great, not flash on those iPhone 5s. What suggestion do you have for a Bluetooth mic that I can uh, record paired with my microphone? I record. I recall you mentioning one on an episode. Not Bluetooth. I use a Blue Yeti microphone, which is a big microphone that sits on my desk. It makes me look like David Letterman. That's not very portable, Anthony. Uh, sorry, Jamie. But I do suggest a lapel mic that plugs into the jack in your iPhone 5. It's called a Rode SmartLav, R-O-D-E, and then Smart L-A-V, L-A-V. Uh, lavalier microphone for Apple iOS devices. And it's um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes for episode 162. Um, and that's beautiful. You just clip it onto your top, plug it into your iPhone, and it's even got a, you can actually buy an additional windsock. It's 65 bucks. I think the windsock's 29 bucks, so you can use it outside without wind in interruption. And it is a beauty. So guys, thanks for the questions. I hope that was of use to you and everyone else who's listening in. If you've got a question, head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com and fire away because I love receiving them and answering them. As I mentioned last week, I have got a content marketing webinar coming up on December 4, 9 till 11 Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. You can head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com, click on the big banner that says webinar and uh, register for that webinar. Here's what I'll be covering. Why there's never been a better time to market a small business, as if you didn't know already if you're a long-time listener to this show. I want to go into detail about what content marketing is, why it's important. It's almost mission critical as part of your marketing strategy for 2014. I'm going to give you my five simple, so five simple, simple five-step pain fee. Oh, wow, Timbo. Come on, mate. Big breath. Get your words right. My simple five-step pain-free process to implementing a content marketing strategy. We're going to get your editorial mission sorted out, uh, show you how you can never run out of content. There's lots of ways of making sure the content just keeps coming. And then we're going to go into detail about blogging, video, and podcasting as three great channels and get all your podcasting, marketing, well, actually all your content marketing questions answered. So December 4, head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com Click on the webinar banner and we, I, I should say, will see you on the webinar. On the topic of you should never stop learning, which is kind of what the content marketing webinar is all about. As small business owners, we should never stop learning. There is a lot of learning going on in the small business big marketing forum. One of, uh, In fact, you know what? I, I can honestly say in the last kind of week to 10 days, it's just kind of hit a new level of action inside the forum, action, activity, just excitement about getting people's marketing problems sorted out. Had a few new members come in asking some great questions and there's some real kind, really good vibe between members as we all help each other grow our business through smart marketing. Some of the topics, we have got uh, Monica who has a, a pet business up in Brisbane. She's seeking input on a flyer that she wants to get out and about. We have got another member who is looking for some guerrilla marketing ideas for her online perfume business. Arne and Nick's video challenge continues to prosper. 
Nick, as of going to air, has just posted his videos, and they're uh, that's good to see. That's two two uh, members who hadn't done video before and set themselves the challenge of getting one up by a certain date, which is great. Um, and Nick's also looking for some <laughs> looking at this topic now. Help me with win an argument with my father-in-law, which is actually all about the way Nick goes about marketing his business and whether he should build a list or not. We've got listeners, uh, members, I should say, looking for help on their brand personality. There's just some really good marketing dialogue happening inside the Small Business Big Marketing Forum. Would love to see you in there. It's now a dollar, one dollar, I know, for the first seven days, just so you can go and check it out, see how good it is. So head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com, click on the forum button, and you'll be inside before you can say, gee, this Small Business Big Marketing Forum is really good. Okay, let's get stuck into today's guest. It is David Sterling of Tower Motel in Marysville and a number of other businesses, as you're about to find out. David was introduced to me by longtime listener Tim Button of Buttons Creative, and Tim sent me a note a while back saying, I met a guy by the name of David Sterling last week. He lost five businesses in Marysville on Black Saturday then had his son taken seriously ill shortly thereafter. He spoke of resilience in, vis- in business, very inspirational. Uh, he is very inspirational. Um, what, what can I say? I mean, this is an interview. It's all about resilience and it's all about rebuilding. I meet a lot of small business owners in what I do when I speak, when I'm out and about, and there are some doing it tough and there'll be some who are doing it tough listening to this show. We all have tough times and we all sometimes think, why are we doing this? How are we going to get through this next bid? You know, it could be a cash flow issue. It could be a staff issue. It could be a personal issue. Whatever it is, um, we've all got to deal with them. We've all There's always going to be tomorrow, and there's always going to be light at the end of the tunnel. My guest, David, has seriously experienced um, devastation, and he's rebuilt, and I think there's lessons here for all of us. So... Without further ado, this is inspirational stuff. It deserves an inspirational track. David Sterling, owner of Tower Motel in Marysville. Welcome to Small Business Big Marketing. Yeah, sounds uh, sounds pretty big, doesn't it, Tim? Uh, thanks for that. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, you can let me know at the end whether it's big or not. Now, now Dave... Um, we have many, many listeners overseas, so we really need to do a bit of scene setting here. Uh, explain Marysville and explain what happened on Black Saturday. I, know, I suppose from a, from a simple point of view, Marysville, quaint little village was before Black Saturday um, and probably still is a quaint little village. Um, but, uh, you know, like it's just a very quaint, plenty of big trees, Mountain ash, snow gums. We have Lake Mountain thirty minutes away. It's just uh, if anybody's been to Bright in Victoria for our Victorian listeners, uh, it's a very similar sort of setting to Bright when you come into Bright, um, but probably on a smaller scale. So beautiful country, big it tall is, trees. You know, you're mountains. talking overseas, Canada. You know some of those uh, beautiful backdrops that you see. Um, certainly, again, um, it sort of rates up and around there. Yeah. Fantastic. So, Dave, uh, tell us about what happened on Black Saturday. Um, look, I suppose everybody, and including those around the world, would have got some sort of footage of Black Saturday. It wasn't uh, obviously the best thing to experience uh, from a number of fronts. Uh, the fire obviously uh, come through the town uh, late in the afternoon. We're obviously caught 
I suppose most people aren't aware of the, the size and the volume of the fire. Um, and uh, basically residents had to, to flee as best they could or take refuge as best they could. Unfortunately, we did lose lives in the fire. Uh, there wasn't much left, in, left after the fire itself, wiped out most of the town, some 450 homes and uh, businesses. Um, and with only, uh, you know, basically a handful of buildings really left standing, wasn't a huge amount. Um, yeah, and the fire continued, I suppose, for two weeks, not just the initial day, but the fire continued. Now, mate, uh, at that time, you had five businesses in Marysville. What, yep. what were they? You had the motel. Yeah, we had, we had a, we, no, we didn't have the motel at that point. Um, we actually had uh, two retail shops, one called Lit and Beyond, uh, which we've actually got reopened. Um, another one called Flirtatious, um, which is a laundry shop. Cool. We also oh, had the. Uh, I'll just make a note <laughs> of coming back to that, Dave. Just one tick. <laughs> yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we, we ran the uh, and managed the uh, pro shop at uh, Marysville Golf Club. Uh, we had a B and B in Marysville, and then on top of that, we had a lavender farm a little bit further out uh, from Marysville. So um, yeah, quite a number of different things, and. Um, yeah, so no more, all gone. Mate, that's it, mate. I mean, to have five diverse businesses. So yeah, very you were, diverse, you yeah. Were, you were overseeing, just, just at a business level, we'll get back to to what happened and, and how you came out of that, but yeah. um, at a business level, you were sort of overseeing all those businesses? Yeah, oh, look, I suppose, you know, and you, you opened up by saying small business, et cetera, and I mean, we were very much a micro sort of business with, with even those retail shops. Um and the B&B, uh, we got going and, um, you know, again, it sort of runs itself once you take the bookings and, and put people in. Um, it sort of looks after itself, I suppose. I'll have in the farm, again, uh, obviously a lot more work in relation to, to getting that up and going um, in relation to pruning and the right time of the year, all those sorts of things. Um, and then uh, the, the retail shops, again, uh, you, you know, you're overseeing, obviously, what takes place in relation to sales and you're always checking on you know, the volume of sales, the volume of people coming through. So so from that perspective, yeah, we had a lot on and we enjoyed every business that we did. They were different um, and uh, I suppose we thought, you know, it's a good town to do business in. You probably love lingerie as much as I do, Dave, but you don't sound like a lingerie shop owner. I gather that was your wife's uh, your wife's interest. Yeah, no, actually it was my idea to uh, to... <laughs> Put up a flirt. Uh, we call it flirtatious. Yeah. Um, and it obviously had um, fragrances and uh, body products. So it sort of wasn't just lingerie, but it sort of obviously catered right into that field. At the time, you know, prior to the fire, there was some up to two and a half to three thousand beds alone in Marysville, like accommodation beds. Yeah. And we felt ourselves, from a marketing point of view and from a business point of view, that it was probably a niche market to to get into in relation to supplying, particularly those couples that were coming away for a weekend. Uh, the opportunity mm-hmm. to discreetly, uh, if you like, uh, purchase some lingerie and uh, and Bob's your uncle and Mary's run and they'd have a, a nice weekend. <laughs> and race back to your B&B and uh, happy right. days. That's you, right. You, you had all bases covered. You could really, uh, you could head out for a little bit of a, a pair of knickers. You could run back to the B&B. That's it. Um, afterwards, you could go for a swing uh, on the golf course, I mean. Of course. And, and then uh, <laughs> swing, yeah. there's a lavender farm in there somewhere. What was the fifth business? 
There's a lady shop called Lytton Beyond, and you mentioned about the other shops tying in. Well, uh, this one was the other half could run a candle for his uh, for his other half, take it back home, serenade her, and the rest was history. <laughs> um, so uh, it's it's called Lytton Beyond. It's a lady shop with candles and oh, uh, ladies' you, clothing. You are romantic, an absolute <laughs> romantic. <laughs> so ladies' clothing, jewellery, so they could do the whole work. So uh, within all the shops, yeah, say no more. You, you, you're giving my uh, overseas listeners the very wrong impression of Marysville. <laughs> uh, well, I did say it's a very romantic town and a very uh, <laughs> a, a lovely little spot to come and relax. Now, Dave, um, what was the date of uh, of Black Saturday? Yeah, Feb 7. Uh, year? 2009. Righto, so... Four years ago, uh, the worst fire in history sweeps through your hometown, knocks out, knocks out the town. Lives are lost. You've lost five businesses. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the time between, you know, getting through just what you, what you have to do. You know, getting back yeah. uh, a roof over your over your head, getting the town back up, yeah. and starting and deciding to rebuild. Tell us about that kind of time. Yeah, look, I, I must admit, Tim, we were pretty fortunate. We had a, a little co- couple of cottages out at the Lavender Farm and we were out there and I suppose one we couldn't get back in after the fire. We couldn't even get back into that particular property for up to two weeks. Um, so I suppose we didn't actually have to rebuild a house as such, but, but at the end of the day, we, we'd lost everything we'd basically worked for over a number of years. Um, and there wasn't a particular time that sort of dawns on me that... Yeah, um, you know, how are we going to, I think it was just a progression of just small, very small steps and trying to get your own life back in some sort of order because it was a huge shock. Um, not, you know, the, the loss of lives and, uh, and just nothing left, um, of the place. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we've seen the devastation of the cyclone in the last day or so overseas there in the Philippines. And, and I suppose, you know, uh, the fire obviously left that same sort of devastation, um, through the town and, and it just, it took. We had to work out whether we were. We had to work out whether we wanted to open up a business, and if we did want to open up a business, how was that going to work when basically there was nothing in town, so and not a lot left in town. So, so, so tell me about that conversation. That's kind of so. You and your wife. Is it you and your wife who sit down yeah, and yeah. look at each other and go, "Well, what what do we do? What what are your options?" Yeah, that's right. Well, the options aren't to. There ain't a lot apart from shift out, um, shift to another. If you like country area, suburb, whatever, um, and pick up the pieces and start again with, uh, you know, we we're lucky enough that we had insurance, which again, I'd, you know, make sure that all businesses are obviously insured and, and houses are insured. I think that gives us a, a chance to, uh, regroup and rebuild at some point when we were ready. Um, so we sat down and had a, a chat about it, went to a number of couple of different places to check out how they had recovered from different fires, like Canberra had some fires um, some many years earlier, so we wanted to see how they'd sort of rebuilt the Grampians also had had a fire. We wanted to see how and if they'd recovered or were recovering, and we needed to do research around just, you know, what are the chances of Marysville recovering from this. So uh, that, was, that was probably what we did um, initially to try and get our heads around it. And then from there, uh, we decided to open up Lytton Beyond, uh, the candle and lady store. Uh, how, how long, Dave, how long, what was that time period when, until you sat down with your wife and, and yep. had that discussion? Is that, is that two weeks? Is that six months? No. Yeah, probably more like months. Yeah, yeah. I don't know exactly when it was, Tim. And yeah. certainly, you know, probably six months, I would suggest, um, after the fire that we'd had a number of discussions around how, you know, what we're going to do. And, um, 
you know, I think the opportunity came where there was a shop where they were refurbishing one of the buildings that got left and they were going to put in some retail areas if anybody wanted to maybe start up a business, um, cheap rent. And uh, we thought at the time, you know, maybe if we do, uh, you know, there's an opportunity to do it. Mm. The other thing to, behind that, Tim, was that, you know, when you lose a business, if if you decide not to reopen that, like if we'd taken the option, we'd lost, even though we had lost that goodwill, but we'd actually regained the, the goodwill by reopening. So mm. um, so I think there was, a, there was a bit in that for us to support the community um, and make a business decision around our goodwill and around a very good business that, you know, we felt was a good business to um, to open up again, which we did in December 2009, and that's some, um, you know, 10 months after, after Black Saturday. Was was there a time in that those few months, Dave, where it felt just hopeless? You have a strong character, I'm guessing. There would have been other businesses around you, business owners around you that maybe didn't have that resilience and, and, and felt a sense of hopelessness. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we're pretty, we're pretty lucky we've got a good family around us, um, and, uh, I think, you know, in the community, the wider community support all around Australia was fantastic, so I suppose rallied to to look at reopening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was a really telling point for us, that there was a lot of support. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think we just decided at the end of the day, look, well, what else are we going to do type thing? Um, either we're going or we're staying or we're opening. And, um, and we decided, look, let's have a crack and open up. If it doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. Um, and uh, we'll say no more. But about six weeks ago, we we removed our shop from it from that location to back to its original position in the main street. So uh, we're pretty happy about that. And is Marysville as a town now very much open for business? Yeah, it's interesting. I spoke to you earlier, just quickly, and uh, we spoke about had you been up, and you know, it's, it's, you're exactly the sort of person we're looking to try and get the word out to in relation to the businesses are open. And certainly want people to come back, and there's no problem in people coming back and uh, asking questions and uh, wanting to know there's an exhibition in town as well, which sort of gives people a little bit of an oversight about the day and the days after and the rebuilding that the town's gone through. Um, so certainly, the, you know, the businesses that are here are open and um, yeah, ready ready for for people to come back. So, Dave, let's let's talk about resilience because you've had a an extreme case in terms of the, the bushfire taking everything away from you. But, you know, I, I've travelled around the world the last 12 months, spoken to yeah. hundreds if not thousands of small business owners and to varying degrees, you know, I meet I meet some that are just nailing it. I meet others that are, you know, got got their ass hanging out just thinking why did they do this? And yeah. it's those that I really want to talk to now with you, which is, you know, what do you do when, you, when your back's up against the wall and – you just think, is this worth it? Yeah. You know, look, there was a lot of things that were happening. As I said, the support and is it worth it and all those things. And I think the is it worth it bit come later on after we've reopened and after, you know, we, you know, that support slowly went away from the town, if you like, from a tourism point of view and people wanting to come up and support. And, and I think that's when you started to ask yourself the question around is it worthwhile, was it worthwhile, can we hang in there, can we continue to do what we're doing, um, you know, and, and add the service that the town desperately needs um, and needs people like ourselves to be open to give hope to also others. Um, and I think, you know, we opened up the same day as the supermarket reopened um, in the town and, uh, you know, there were people crying with uh, excitement. And again, when you look back and you think about, you know, what can I offer the town or the community or the wider community, it's probably hope. 
and in doing so, hopefully, uh, you know, that gave us some courage to, to continue to march on, and which we've continued to do. And I won't say it's been an easy road, but it's certainly been a, a nice road to go down and give us something else to focus on. Um, as we've been, you know, putting ourselves back into some sort of perspective. When you say, and I can't imagine it ever being an easy road, but what what was the what was the hardest part of that road once you'd opened up and 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 were sort of back in business? Yeah, I think the hardest part, obviously, you know, look, you've got to manage a lot of things in relation to, you know, your finances and cash flow, all those sorts of things. It's all right to open up a business, as everybody knows, and. You've got to make sure you know what's going on and, and where your market is and you know who you're marketing to as far as where where this tourism traffic, which was automatic past, um, where the hell it was going to come from. Mm. And um, and I suppose you know from that perspective, that was probably difficult. The the emotional part was difficult. The emotional part for community, the emotional part for even people coming into the shop that remembered the shop before all that, um, coming in and telling their story and offering their support. Um, I'm fortunate again that my wife and my daughter, I've got two daughters, both of them sort of help run the shop as well. Um, so, you know, sort of as I said, it's a more family involvement thing and uh, we were pretty happy to get it open and, and happy to be seen as a, as a business that's, that's coming back and giving other people hope, I suppose, that, you know, if they want to do it, look, here we are, we're doing it, let's, let's, let's have a crack sort of thing. So did you get a lot of your strength from... Uh, externally knowing that you were helping others and inspiring others? Is that kind of where you got your inspiration from? Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, for, for me personally and, and the wife, I mean, you know, we, 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 we've had a good business in town, as in the business has been good to us in relation to the community. So we felt we needed to give something back um, and we needed to, you know, probably lead the way if we could to, to giving something back to the, to the wider community. Um, and I think that's probably what drove us and, uh, and still drives us right this, this very day. I, you know, I said to you before, I've got a paintbrush in the hand because, um, you know, it's those sort of things that, um, continue to drive. If you're not driven in business by something of the bigger picture outside of your business or within your business, then you're probably going to, you know, you're not going to enjoy it too much. Mm. So, you, you know, there's a lot of things that drive a person, I think, but if you're in business, you've got to find and know the things that are actually, you know, hit your hot button to make you, when things aren't going so well, what you're going to draw on to uh, get you over a few hurdles. So so for you, it's, it is community and and building something bigger than just your business. Because you're, you're on the, are you head of your Chamber of Commerce? Yeah, I'm chair of the Chamber of Commerce, yep. yep. Yeah, so yep. for you that's kind of, that's walking the talk of just helping rebuild the community. Yeah, I think, look, and it's not easy for every business to just get up and, you know, because at the end of the day, there wasn't necessarily anywhere where any business could actually just, you know, decide to put their hand up and jump into a shop and because there were no shops in town. Um, so it wasn't easy. You know, some people were operating, some of the businesses were operating out of containers um, to continue their, their livelihood. Again, it wasn't difficult. Uh, it was difficult. Sorry, not wasn't difficult. But uh, So those sort of businesses who were doing that, people operated out of a tent originally, uh, a big marquee that people were feeding the tourists on a weekend in particular that were coming through. Um, so like cafes were setting up um, as best they could. So yeah, so it was uh, a very emotional uh, time as different things sort of popped up. Um, yeah, and, uh, and, and the community were involved in some of those areas to try and help everybody, you know, get on and uh, get by fairly good at the time. I imagine um, in times like that, Dave, some amazing things would have happened, some, you know, just things that you just came from left field, anything in particular that comes to mind? 
Oh, look, there's one one personally for me was uh, just, and uh, you know, sometimes it's not the biggest things. It's just the smallest things. And for me, this was probably, wasn't a big thing, it was the smallest thing, but I actually went down to a uh, place called Hillsville, 30 minutes from Marysville, and uh, went down there to um, to uh, get some hardware to do on the uh, lavender farm. And uh, anyway, I got a particular machinery and uh, I ran into a guy that I knew who was a builder. Uh, done some work for me in the past, hell of a nice fella, no dramas, uh, out of chat and he asked how everything was going, we sort of had a chat and moved on and I went back the following day or two days later to take the bit of machinery back and uh, went in to pay the bill and, and the blood pine accountant said, uh, sorry mate, there's no bill here and he, and he said, well, I said, what do you mean? I said, I hired it out two days ago. He said, yeah, I know you did but it's already been paid and I couldn't work out what the hell had gone on in relation to who paid it and I sort of questioned him a couple of times and then he said look I can't tell you who paid but somebody's paid it for you anyway it worked out the guy that I knew had done some work the guy that I spoke to he paid that particular bill so um, I'll say no more but it was small but it was huge um, and uh, let's just say that he continues to uh, now even in our rebuilding uh, which we're doing a, a lot of refurbishment at the motel at the moment he's uh, obviously been given the work to do so uh, say no more yeah Mate, that's a great story. You know, I as I hear you talk and I think about, you know, things that I run into, problems I run into in my own business and I know listeners running into their business, it's just like, you know, so many things pale into insignificance and we, we tend to worry about really the small stuff, which we should just move on from. Well, you know, and I, and I, I speak to business groups um and uh, community groups around, you know, Victoria, et cetera, and New South Wales. And uh, I, I had, um, my son, who uh, six months after we bought the motel, um, unfortunately had a very bad boating accident and um, basically ended up in a coma for three months and, uh, and, and nearly never made it through. When I look at the fire situation, we got out of it unscathed in relation to our family and our lives. Um, my son's situation was dire and uh, spent 12 months in rehab while we'd just taken over a new business. We were in and out of hospital every day for nearly 12 months. Um, if you're asking a business owner, well, while in business, as I said to you before, there's some things that have got to drive you far bigger than what the business is. And, um, and let's just say the son hasn't necessarily fully recovered, but he has made a miraculous recovery, recovery compared to where he was probably at, where he's had to learn to walk, talk and and feed himself. So, um, you know, it's quite amazing when you talk about you're in business and why are you in business. We're lucky enough that we could have the time out of our business to also go and visit and make sure that he was supported through uh, through everything he needed. So, yeah, quite, quite huge. Mate, that's, that's massive. You know, you've had two... What do, I don't know what you call them, life events. You've had the bushfire, you've had the boating tragedy with your son who's all but recovered. They're, they are significant events that make you take a very, very hard look at why you do what you do. To, that, to those business owners that may not have had, you know, any level, anything near what you've experienced but are still kind of, you know, not not the happiest of campers, do you have like a – a sort of process or a question that you, you you get them to ask themselves in order to find their why. Um, I I don't, but I think you know. Look, people need to sit. I think what happens is people get into business and they expect that they're going to make a million dollars overnight, and they expect they're going to go on all these overseas trips, etc., etc. And you know, 
unfortunately, sadly, that's not the case for you know probably ninety percent of the businesses out there. Um, and you know maybe they might drive the flash car, but it, it's about finding out why it is you're in business. It's interesting to note that you know one of the reasons that I've always said that I've been in business is because I can actually please how long I want to work or how short I want to work. And um, and if I need time off, I don't need to grovel to the boss and see him get me one week's holiday pay that he owes me, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So <laughs> the business was never about making money, or businesses yeah. has never been about making money. It's actually been about paying the bills. Obviously, it's about making money to survive, and obviously put money back into the business. And obviously, if there's yeah. some left over or plenty left over, that's fantastic. Um, but our businesses have never been revolved around making huge amounts of money. I mean, you know, they're sort of like, if you like, a small lifestyle business, uh, mum and dad sort of businesses, um, which, you know, there are plenty of those out there, plenty of small mm-hmm. businesses out there. Um, but, you know, I think you've got to got to know why it is you'll want to get up in the morning and bounce out of bed. And uh, you just can't afford to go in with a sad face into your own business, whether you're working from home or whether you're working in front of other people. You've got to find what it is that's going to drive you to perform and make your business better, you know, and make mm. it better than what it is right now um, and, and look at those areas within your business to see what it is you've got to do. Very, very good point. And, uh, you know, if you, if you, if it's not sitting on fire, then go and find something else. doesn't mean you yep. shouldn't be in a small business. It just might have mean you've picked the one you're in for the wrong reasons. Um, Dave, you now do a lot of talking. I think you're telling me before we hit record that you've done 30-odd talks around the place in the last few couple of years. Um, yep. You talk about realign your thinking, and you, you yep. mentioned this concept of what if. Can you just tell yep. me a little bit more about that? Uh, look, I mean, you know, I talk about resilience in business and, um, and the what if, what if, you know, something should happen to your town or your small community or your business. What is it that you've got in place and how would you handle um, What are the things you'd look to do? Um, you know, do you know your own emotional, you know, intelligence in relation to how you might react? Um, because all those things play huge factors in relation to your decision making. If something, you know, should go, you know, extraordinarily wrong. Um, and I think those sorts of things around why people are in business, and that's why I keep coming back to the why. Mm. Um, they need to understand what it is and why they're in business. And if they don't enjoy the, yeah, and I talk about it in work in general, if people don't enjoy their own job, then, you know, I always believe they can probably move out and uh, find something that they actually do enjoy. Mm. Um, and sometimes in life in general, we don't actually find it, that first job or that, you know, those first few jobs, we don't actually really like doing what we're doing, but we actually do find a way to like the next particular project that we find ourselves on. Mm-hmm. It could be a, a good journey. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely. I mean, I don't reckon I found my why until about, Oh, seven years ago, you know, mm-hmm. working in yep. corporate land. I know, there's, in fact, there's a lot of people who listen to this show who are who are still trapped trapped in the cubicle. And I think this advice <laughs> of yours is 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 wonderful. Just to to there's actually a fellow uh, by the name of Simon Cynic, which is kind of unfortunate his surname because he's, he's not cynical <laughs> by any stretch. Yeah. But he created this whole con- well created he packaged it up in a way this idea of finding your why. Uh, yeah. And he actually gave a TED talk on it and. Um, uh, it's golden, you know, just that whole, um, yeah, the, the emotional. It's all about the emotion versus the rational to me, you know. Fall in fall in love with what you do. Yeah, it, you know, like if you don't like, you know, what you're doing, then it makes it even – or if you if it's becoming a grind, I think it makes it harder for you to define the why because you're already in that situation mm. that, you know, you don't know, who you, you know, that you want to be in. And I think if you look at a job in particular, let's say if the boss wants you to change the way you've normally done things, because you've gone in a normal pattern, all of a sudden the boss wants you to 
change the way you do certain things and the way you do things in the morning or in the afternoon, you know, it's not, sometimes you don't want the change because um, you're so used to that same pattern and, and sometimes the change is actually good. Mm. And it actually gives you a good shake up as to, you know, what you're actually doing and why you're doing it. And um and it's like a customer coming into your own business. I mean, uh, sometimes you can get the grumpiest customer tell you what you should be doing or ain't doing and uh, in actual fact that's probably sometimes the best advice you've probably been given for a while. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, 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 true. Yeah, they walk out and you go, Yeah, actually they're probably right. Yeah, there's a big deep breath taken there, and you go, yeah, okay, I'll get you. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Not at the time, but uh, after that, I really appreciate it. Oh, Dave, yeah. mate, thanks so much for sharing your story. It's only a small story. It's nothing major, but um, I'm just hoping that other people can, um, you know, certainly look at what they're doing right now and just work out why it is they're doing what they're doing right now. If it's with a partner, and I'm lucky enough that I have great support, Tim, with a family support in relation to the wife and that and um, everything we've taken on and uh, so we've taken on the motel uh, in the last few years which is in you know uh, doing a lot of refurbishment but again it's about the you know understanding why you're doing what you're doing and um, and then you know I said unfortunately we had the uh, situation with my son and um, and I think you know again that's why we're doing what we're doing because we were able to take that valuable time out of the business and um, and put it into our you know our family when when it was desperately needed. So um, I think that's really important to come back to what it is why you're doing it. It's not about the money. Great place to finish. Thanks, Dave. No worries, Tim. Appreciate it, mate. What can I say, listeners? That is inspirational stuff right there. There's some marketing gold in there. I actually think there's business gold in there. And uh, as I said at the start, you know, we we all do it tough at some point or another. I hope hopefully you found something in there that you can keep inside for when uh, the next tough period in your business comes along. Three learnings I got from that, and there were plenty more. Number one, finding your why. You know, um, it's just so important. David found his why, and that drives him to do what he does. When times are tough, this is my number two learning, when times are tough, look around and see where else you can make a difference. David draws a lot of inspiration, I think, from helping others and helping the community. He's head of the local chamber of commerce and just that ability, knowing that he's making a difference outside of his own business, uh, I think is fantastic. So that may be getting involved in some kind of community activity for you, maybe mentoring someone, making a difference in some way. Number three, (laughs) have more than one business. David had five. Um, That's kind of interesting spreading the risk um they often say you know i've heard before whoever they are but i've heard before that you know one is a scary number in business one is a dangerous number in business because all your eggs are in one basket so having more than one business that's interesting and in today's day and age having a business um having more than one business isn't as necessarily hard as it used to be Hope you enjoyed that. There are so many great guests coming in the coming weeks uh, and months. Quite uh, quite amazing what I've got lined up, including Dr. Snip. That was an unusual way to finish that segment, wasn't it? Dr. Snip, that'll leave you hanging. You could always look him up, but uh, I think you can guess what he does. And from all accounts, he's a pretty smart marketer. So... We have got him and quite a number of guests coming up in the weeks to come. Now, let's get stuck into a bit of listener feedback. I've got one here from Paul Smart, long time, very enthusiastic listener, Paul, to this show, and he's just made the jump. He's he's shaken off the corporate shackles, and he says, uh, Timbo, again, thank you. We sold out of our first run of Pinot 
in nine days, thought it would take 30. This crowdfunding thing is great. Paul went down the, the crowdfunding uh, route to raise funds. Just wanted to let you know that I've mentioned you in a guest blog, which is at iquitmyjob.com.au. Love that. If I had not stumbled upon your podcast, I would not be where I am today. Cheers, Paul. Hey, Paul, love your work, mate. Love your enthusiasm and good wishes to you uh, in running and starting that new business. Love it, mate. Thank you. And here's one from Grant Dempsey, who is a psychologist slash counsellor. He says, hi, Tim. I'm a first-time listener. And by the way, I'm a bit conscious of how long this episode's going for, but how long should a podcast go for? As long as it needs to and not a second more. Back to Grant. Hi, Tim. I'm a first-time listener and just listened to your Guerrilla Marketing podcast. Oh, that was a few back. I'll put a link to that in the episode show notes of this one, which is 162, so you can find that if you haven't listened to it. I was recommended your podcast by Alan Nunez of The Marketing Firm. Great interview. I too was expecting the worst after your intro and was pleasantly surprised. I can't. I don't know what that's referring to there. Uh, anyway, he was pleasantly surprised. You certainly under-promised and over-delivered. Yeah, well, that's a pretty good marketing strategy there. Well done. There were some great tips in the interview that I'm going to take away and apply to my business at our next planning day. On another note, my background is psychology and counselling, and I was interested in your relationship counselling tips at the start of that episode. Yeah, okay. We had a listener question about uh, relationships and how they impact on starting a business. As a relationship counsellor and also a small business owner, I have been I have seen a recurring pattern with couples in business, one or both. When the business is struggling, so is the relationship and vice versa. Yeah, I can imagine there being a strong correlation there, Grant. I've helped a number of couples sort out their relationship and have seen again and again that as their relationship improves, so does their business. I think this is a topic that is worth you exploring further, although it is not a marketing topic. Cheers, Tim. I'll load up some others and listen up some more and suggest it to everyone I know. Hey, thanks, Grant. Yeah, that topic, it isn't a marketing topic, and I'm pretty strict on my editorial mission, like you all should be when you're creating content. Now, we're going to cover that in the content marketing webinar coming up, but um, it does it forces me to say no to things and allows me to say yes to things, and that's the power of an editorial mission. However, the idea of you know having strong relationships with your loved ones, your partner, uh, friends and family, whoever it is, clearly makes us the people that we are and clearly that impacts on whether our business is going well or isn't going well. So I'll put some thought into it, Grant. Uh, can't promise that, but uh, we'll put some thought into it. Either way, thank you for your feedback. If you want to send me feedback, guys and girls, go to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. You can send me a voicemail from there or you can send me an email and um, would love to uh, would love to include you in an upcoming episode. Look, I reckon that's about it. We are done and dusted here. Hopefully there was some marketing gold in there for you. Yes, sir. There's that song again. Got to love it. And we will see you next time for another episode of the Small Business Big Marketing Show, Australia's number one marketing show, by the way. Until then, may your marketing be the best marketing. See ya. You've been listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show with Tim Reid. Want more marketing goodness? Then visit smallbusinessbigmarketing.com.